1: for Another episode of Believe in Kentucky. We got Aaron Gershon, Jalen Whitlow, myself, Vinny Hardy, bringing you everything UK as we do on the Believe Podcast Network. Y'all be sure to subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends about it. Follow us on Twitter at Believe in Kentucky. Follow these guys at A Gershon99, Jay Whitlow underscore two, and get all the content from the Cat's polls, all the content from the former QB perspective. And check us out each and every week on these episodes of the podcast, y'all. We got a college basketball season that has come and gone like that. We just saw the Connecticut men get crowned, the LSU women get crowned. AG, you all up in spring practice because spring break is over. So that's that's the things that's pretty much going on right now, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. We're winding down spring here. Basketball's done. Uh, mixing in some baseball with how well they're playing, but so it's been nice, obviously, now that MLB started to, it's like one of my favorite times of year to where the head's above water a little bit and get to relax and watch that and uh hit things as they come to it, but, you know, with the basketball roster movement, like I said, the way baseball's playing and, you know, another week of spring ball here and that transfer portal is going to open again, so, you know, there's still a lot going on. The way college sports is nowadays, there's no real dead time like there used to be, but um, it's definitely, uh, it's nice to catch my breath a little bit these last couple of weeks. There you go. Good
1: for you, man. Get some frequent flyer miles you've been getting and frequent driver miles and all oh. that. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's good.
0: <laughs> you good, Jay? Good, man. Good, you know. Kind of the same thing from a just a, a viewer standpoint, man. Uh, you know, I, I hate to see, college basketball in because I don't really watch pro basketball. I don't watch pro baseball really uh, until the playoffs. But, um, you know, just – I guess I'll just live off some XFL or USFL coming soon and, uh, you know, just watch some old games or whatever. But, you know, uh, trying to pay attention. There was a lot of footage out there from what happened on uh, last Saturday with Kentucky football practice. Um, You know, a lot of information out there. A lot of people was in um that i was you know just listening to weather didn't uh with the wind they couldn't really you know kind of get a full array of what they could do on offense um but you know still from what i've heard and what i've seen and obviously aaron sending us videos and whatnot so um a lot of good things uh definitely some things that they're looking to clean up uh you know you got some basketball transfers in there you got um you know tuning into other people's spring ball and one of the more interesting stories is what's happening at Ole Miss right now at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, that I've been paying attention to. Um, you know, obviously with you know the, the whole uh debacle with the Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese thing and you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh so you know how, how that goes, man. Uh just, just trying to take in as much sports as I can and and uh you know kind of spit out the fat a little bit. <laughs>
2: No, it's 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 actually funny you mentioned that about the I don't want to harp too much on it, but on the women's basketball thing and what a Final Four that was. But uh someone mentioned to me that you know the comments that the White House wanted uh, Iowa to come to, and I guess it was like 24 hours after that broke, and I was like, "What?" And they were like, "You didn't hear about that?" So it's been hard to keep up, man. I like like I said, college sports. There's like there is no dead time anymore. Maybe in Ju- maybe June. Uh, it's kind of quiet a little bit. Uh, you know, both portals should be closed by then uh, for both basketball and football. But, man, it's, uh, you know, it's it's April. The tournament tournaments are over and spring practice is winding down. And it's still, uh, it's crazy right now. And
1: Iowa, to their credit, I think they declined that invitation. If you have yeah. any kind of <laughs> pride about yourself, you're like, look, we're not going to. Go to the White House when we are the runner-up. We're not going to go to Disney World when we didn't win. So, you know, uh, and they had a great season. They had a great run. Caitlin Clark yeah. is legit. I look, Angel Reese. If you, if you, and look, Caitlin Clark talks a bunch of trash. Those that yes. watch Iowa know that. Maybe those those that don't don't know it. She talks like Larry Bird level trash. <laughs> She's a legendary trash talker. If you talk it, you're gonna get it. When when Texas goes horns, Louisville goes L's up. First thing the opponents do is horns down, L's down. T O did the Ray Lewis dance to Ray Lewis. This stuff comes Went back. Star, yeah. oh, oh let's see. <laughs> and look, George Teague did not hit T O hard enough. He should <laughs> hit him harder. When he went to the star for that, that's that's my only thing. Like, I'm glad uh, you clocked uh, him. Just, you should have clocked him again, clocked him a little harder. But there you go. Yeah, it's, let if, him feel you. If you talk to talk, you're gonna get it. Kaylin Clark, the one wasn't even worried about it. She, you know, it's nah. it's part of it. She handled it like a pro. She did it to Louisville. Angel did it back to her. Angel got a ring, so she let her know about it. And that's you think that? me to end yep. the story,
0: but. should be. I think, uh, you know, this is just me, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, but this would seem like, I think media outlets and in and, and particular ESPN did a really good job of instigating. They did a really good job of pouring fire because it was two days after and ESPN was still posting pictures of Angel Reese doing this and, you know, doing this. And, you know, they did a really good job of yep. instigating. And it seems like it's been like a, you know that's how people are getting their clicks nowadays. That's how people are getting their viewership. You know they're almost being like, I'm kind of old school, man. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna instigate anything. I'm not gonna, you know, down one side to pick up the other. I'm not gonna do any of that. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's the way people get their viewership and clicks nowadays. But um, they did a really good job of of, of pouring fire, <laughs> um, pouring gas on that fire, and people bought into it. You know, people. You know, they they got they caught it. You know. Hook line, hook line, sinker, man. So it was one of those things where I knew what was going on. I was like, they are definitely instigating this thing. So I stopped one thousand caring about it. You know, I was like, whatever. You know, they they're gonna do what they do. But um, yeah. again, trash talk is trash talk. People don't know the thing about it is people don't know what's said during the games. Like you don't, we don't know what like somebody said in the heat of the battle during the game. The cameras aren't picking that up, right? The, you know, the 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 mics aren't picking that up. So. You know, people always get on the reactor, right? But we don't know yep. we don't know what happened. Like, yeah, she did it and she kind of went far with it. It is what it is. After the clock hit zero. But at the end of the day, trash talk is trash talk, man. I I know people who to this day you know, if I seen them, seen them all trash talking because of what happened years ago. So it is what it is. And I'm not a huge trash talker. I could only imagine a professional trash talker like those who are. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, you know, it is what it is. It's part of the sport. It's always been part of the sport. I think another reason why I blew up because they were women uh, and people aren't <laughs> used to seeing that. So just calling a spade a spade, man, that's just what I think. Um, but that's been going on forever. It goes on every single game. People just finally, you know, wanted to one of the stories so they blew it
2: up yep yeah it couldn't agree more
1: yeah that's it that's it oh uh, the women's final four was better than the men's final four One hundred percent. the product the games the outcomes the whole yep. weekend the electricity in the atmosphere some maybe attributed to being in an arena instead of a large dome uh and you got our fans lsu fans in there rooting hard for the team electricity we all been there you've been there as a player ag you've been in there covering games i've been in there Mm -hmm. before a game starts and you just feel some had that that extra juice is amped up in there before it starts so it the women's game had that as well so um you know on the men's side you know you're from connecticut they they get another title We said before we came on, I think FAU would have given them a, a better game. They might still have won, but FAU would have been able to make shots occasionally and, and stay in the game better than San Diego State, I do believe.
2: Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And obviously I was disappointed uh, with my personal bias with FAU and my brother going there with how that game ended. It was a heck of a game, but that, that was definitely the best game of the uh, of the three final four games including the championship uh in the on the men's side but um from basketball perspective but yeah i mean look san diego state was kind of it was kind of one of those teams that Kentucky would have probably done pretty well against, right, where they play really good defense and the offense is, is what it is. It's not very good. I think they were, like, in the 200s in offensive efficiency. So, you know, credit obviously a ton of credit to San Diego State for getting there. And they obviously knocked out Alabama, who I picked to win the tournament, and I think a lot of people picked to win the tournament. So, you know, they deserve a lot of credit. But UConn, I mean, they joined that list of I don't know how many schools to win all their games uh, in the tournament by double digits. They were just the best team from, you know, their opener against Iona, which I think they were actually ironically losing at the half. Uh, and then from there, they just absolutely dominated, you know, the rest of the way. So give them a ton of credit. Um, they, they absolutely deserved it, but No doubt about how great that South Carolina-Iowa game was, Uh, LSU, what they were able to do the whole tournament. And in the Final Four, uh, the women's side, you know, delivered a little more action, a little more excitement uh, in those Final Four games than the men's tournament. But really, overall, I think both tournaments were pretty fantastic this year. And uh, now it's the Wild West that is the the offseason in college basketball.
1: (laughs) Yeah, San Diego State played like Tennessee. You're exactly right. Exactly, couldn't score. Tough defense. Mm -hmm. Score fifty nine points a game or whatever. That's Mm -hmm. yeah. So they a lot like the Vols were, and you know Kentucky held them to fifty six points. And you know, so the Kentucky would have matched up well with them had they faced San Diego State. You're exactly right.
2: I agree. Uh,
1: You talk about the wild wild west. uh, Ugo Onyenso transfers hits the transfer portal for Kentucky. That was the latest departure. Um, And what? Hunter Dickinson may (laughs) be looking at Kentucky to do from Michigan, the big man. (laughs) That kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah.
2: I didn't know about, look Cal kind of has taken the slow and steady approach with this portal. Not no. And the part of that is because you can't disrespect the guys you have on your team, right? That's what makes this really hard uh, that you got to get ahead in the portal, but you also got your own dudes. You got to take care of first and you don't want to push them out the door if you want them back and with ugo they definitely wanted him back they don't so they they go to abort but you know I see, a lot, I see a lot of people complaining about Hunter Dickinson and I get he's not a world-class defender and you know, it reminds you of Oscar, but this is a dude who has been one of the best players in college basketball the last three years. And unlike Oscar, he has an outside shot that gets better every year. I think he, I know he was 42% from three and it's not like he took like 10 threes. I th- he took over 50. So he's a guy that can shoot it. He's a guy that is a great rebounder and wouldn't like you wouldn't drop off too too significantly, you're never going to get Oscars rebounding. Uh, but with Dickinson, you're not going to get a horrible drop-off um, that you might in somebody else. So I I, I would only be excited uh, about that possibility. I get the defense, and maybe, you know, <clears throat> you're probably going to need to add three guys total out of this portal the way things are looking. So, you know, who knows what other plans you could have there. But uh, I, I find it hard to co- complain about a guy – Uh, Like Hunter Dickinson, if that really were to happen, I'm not sure if it's gonna. Obviously, he's got probably every school in the country on him. He's a D.C. area guy. Uh, Maryland's been really high on him and just hired his high school coach as an assistant, which probably, you know, is probably an effort to to get him over there. So, look, it's very early, but they're clearly interested. If they're having a Zoom call, so we'll see. Uh, They definitely need to add a four though. That that is established. They need a starting four. Uh for next year's team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think team. you know the thing with fans when it comes to this thing, man, they have very uh unrealistic expect. I mean, you're not gonna get, you know, you know, I mean, you're just not getting LeBron James and Trent. I mean, it's just not gonna happen. So,
2: <laughs> and the That's the day, what's crazy. Yeah, yeah
0: day, it's a team, it's a puzzle. So whatever he does, they don't have somebody who do the things that he don't do well, they'll do have somebody to do that well. So you know, it's one of those things that, and I, not, I'm not just talking about Kentucky fans. I see a lot of people. I'm looking at Alabama football fans, and they're talking, "Oh, we, we had this transfer. He hadn't done this yet." Well, I mean, man, like <laughs> give, you know, give give change, you got to man. I mean, but uh, you know, that's just how it goes. But we'll see what happens with Kentucky basketball, man. I, uh, you know, I saw that Jay Williams didn't have him on his uh, Mount Rushmore, which is, uh, did y'all see that?
2: What a joke. That sounds mm-hmm. stupid.
0: Which is, he had, he had. North Carolina, Duke, hmm. Kansas, and Yukon on that, his, that, his Mount Rushmore. I'm yeah, like, e, e, ESPN's really good at the clickbait thing. Yeah, he, he, uh, and I, I, maybe it was on some podcast, I don't know. But he, uh, you know, I, I again, they, like you said, they really good at generating stories, man. <laughs> that's what they do. I'm telling you, they, that's what they do. They generate mm-hmm. stories. Like, who in the hell does that? Like, who, who puts Yukon, you know, so they you know that was funny and that's all the Kentucky fans are going oh
2: up. they're gonna lose their yeah, mind.
0: Yeah, they, they're buying into it, but um but yeah we'll see what happens, man. Hopefully, uh hopefully Kentucky gets some freaking shooting, man. They need they need some they need yeah. shooters, they need guys who can who can get you a bucket, right? Mm-hmm. We watched uh, UConn, UConn had better basketball players, but they had a couple guys who, who they're gonna put the ball in the hoop when yeah. they get, you know, um, and that's what Kentucky needs that, you know. Uh, you know, it's just what happened the last game of the tournament is just, you know, kind of unacceptable from, from a couple guys. You know, you got to be able to yeah. put the ball in the basket, you know, uh, at least, you know, get close or, or you know, half your ad adge- your average in points. You got to yeah. do that. You know, in the biggest games of the year, your best players got to play the best. So, yeah. uh, you know, so hopefully they get some hopefully wherever it's coming from, whether somebody developing or freshman or transfer, they got to get guys that can get a bucket. The college game is turning more and more into the NBA game. Mm-hmm. You know, the coach K's of early 2000 and 1990s aren't around anymore. And I to take that back. They are around one, one is at Gonzaga, but they get beat every year. They don't win it all. You know? Uh, so th- it's an NBA game now, you know, you got guys like now UConn was running some good sets and they were playing good as a team. Uh, But at the end of the day, they got guys who are going to play in the NBA and they got guys who are getting buckets.
2: you got to have guys who score. And even Gonzaga adapted because they had the most efficient offense in the country this year, and they were the top-scoring offense in the country this year. So, yeah, yeah, you definitely got to adapt. And I think when you look at – like DJ I don't want to put too much pressure on the freshman but you feel really good about that with with DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards as bucket getters but uh if Antonio Reeves is going to we'll see I mean I still think there's a chance to get him back but uh they they probably need one more uh, at least one more uh that can put it in the bucket consistently from outside and you know that's the and that's the one downside if you were to get Hunter Dickinson uh well it's an upside because he is going to put the ball in the bucket But the defense is something where this year it was the worst year statistically – uh, defensively in the Cal era, so that's 14 years, where including two where they didn't even make the tournament. You know, so that that's another part of this team that's got to get better. And I think that's why they wanted Ugano and Yenzo back so bad is because you know we didn't see him that much, but we saw three blocks in like four different games, and we saw a guy who had the potentials uh, of being an elite rim protector, and and they just lost that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they address the de- defensive side of the ball as well obviously they got to add I think two more guys who are capable of putting it in the bucket at least one Uh, but the defensive side of the ball is kind of what made this team a little up and down I mean they ended up finishing a top 50 efficient offense and obviously you know in some of the bigger games the the shooting just disappeared and that that's a real worry and you got to address that but uh, I'm also worried about the defense because um, I, I like these freshmen a lot, but DJ Wagner is kind of similar to Casey Wallace, where he's a really good off the ball defender. Uh, he's going to make plays, he's going to get steals and, and breakaways, but he's not, you know, he's going to get beat off the dribble sometimes I think the same could be said for Justin Edwards. Uh, And then Aaron Bradshaw, I think, is a good defender. He's obviously humongous, but, you know, he's a freshman. He's going to, you know, their kids are going to be stronger than him uh, because he's 18 years old and 7'2", and these guys are 24 that he's going to have to play against now uh, that are also foot and have, you know, a 24-year-old body. So uh, I I definitely do worry a little bit about the defense, and I think that's why some fans are upset about the Hunter Dickinson issue. But, you know, with this transfer portal, man, you know, you mentioned, like, LeBron James and. Entering it, and you're totally right. But a guy who's a two time second team All American, a three time All Big Ten guy who averages almost 19 points a game at nine rebounds, uh, it's hard. To, it's going to be hard to find someone that's much better than that on the open market.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, enough. Oh, go ahead, Vinny.
1: And they're the ones getting paid to. That's right. Put this roster together and have it all fit. But and I'm I'm not one that's still going to worry about every move. I'm not. I'm not like uh, watching the portal. Oh, this guy's in. This guy's leaving. This guy. You oh, this never think about it. That. So yeah, <laughs> but Dickinson isn't a shot blocker. No, even though we didn't see a lot of Ugo, you would assume the more playing time he probably would have gotten this year would been more block shots, more mm-hmm. rim protection. So Dickinson is not that guy. He he is no. probably the best player in the portal, but he's not gonna you know meet a lot of guys at the rim and and erase a lot of mistakes out on the perimeter. He's not that kind of dude. So it's up to them. You know, we didn't have shot blocking last year either. You know, Anthony Davis blocked 186 by himself. Yeah, they haven't had much this,
2: shot blocking this, le- lately, man. Yeah,
1: this team last year, I think, had like 50 blocks as a team or 60 yeah. as a team. So I don't, I don't know if they're trying to get shot blocking back or not. But, you know, they get paid the big bucks to put the roster together. So we'll see what they come up with.
2: Yeah, I just think you're absolutely right. And, again, though, it's just (laughs) – Hunter, I mean – and they definitely need some sort of rim protection. And I don't know if Hunter Dickinson is going to be the greatest at all time at that, but uh, it's going to be hard to find a guy with a better resume that, that enters the portal than that guy. Uh, And, you know, there are some good center. I mean, there are some centers like Khalil Ware from Oregon, but there are issues with his motor and that he takes plays off and he gets easily upset. And that was something in his high school scouting report that apparently followed him uh, to Oregon. And there are just a lot of guys who aren't as proven. You have the kid from Tennessee, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. I know his first or his last name's Olivier. Uh, he did some re- Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's better than I would have said. Oh, but, he uh, might go overseas, though. He's he might go overseas. And you know, he's a good player, but he's only 6'8. So is he going to be, you know, the 7'6", 6'11 shot blocker you're looking for? So and he's inconsistent.
1: I, I mean, he, yeah. killed, he killed Duke. But then the Hill FAU Duke game, you didn't even know he was on the court.
2: So right. So I, I just think the options are what they are. You you signed Uganda Nienso thinking it'd be a two-year situation. At the minimum, it didn't work out that way. And you got to pivot. And if it means you have to give something up, uh to get someone who's capable of at least being a really good player, uh, it is what it is. I mean, this is this is parody now, man. You're not gonna blow away everybody. Um you're not going to have all the best at every position. You're not going to be extremely dominant in any area. That's just how you just look at this NCAA tournament. Uh That's it, just not how college basketball is going to be uh un- unless they change the rules again, which is not going to happen.
1: So it's, you know, a lot of people tried to say that, well, well, OK, the women's final four. Maybe a, maybe a landmark, maybe a watershed moment. You got more eyeballs on them, almost 10 yeah. People watched it. So that might be something that launches them, you know, a la Magic and Bird in 79 for college. People and, trying to say that this year's men's Final Four is the way it's going to be. No, I don't know if it's going to be that random every year. You, The, the Blue Bloods just got to kind of figure out how to operate on an even and, new roof.
2: and also, you know, it's a good point, too. A lot of people complained about the, you know, that it was the lower seeds that were in the Final Four. If you look at the women's side, I know that South Carolina was obviously a one, I was a two. If you go back and look at the history of the women's tournament, it's one, 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 one every single oh. year. It was very rare. <laughs> I mean, UConn was in it for, what, 15 straight years, and <laughs> Stanford and Notre Dame, they're always a one. So this year, man, you got two one seeds lost. Which never happened. They lost in the second weekend, um, or the second before the second weekend. You know, mm-hmm. Indiana going down, uh, and Stanford losing to Ole Miss. So mm-hmm. uh, there were upsets. A three seed won that tournament. Has a three? Is anyone like? Is a three seed won that tournament in the last twenty years? Mm-hmm. So parodies. It's all over, man. With this transfer portal, with the, the COVID year, uh, that's not going to be. We're going to feel the re- repercussions of that COVID year for t- two more. So it, it's just. It, it is there's parity on both sides. So I get the, the women, I think it was great for the women's game and this is going to get more eyeballs on it. But to say the men's tournament was bad because the seeds and all that was like, I didn't understand that argument. Cause the same thing did happen on the women's side. There were crazy yeah. upsets. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I'm one to believe that you're going to start seeing is more. Uh-huh. Uh, and and we talked about this in football as well. You know, I just do believe that I think the transfer portal has evened this thing out a little bit, which is, in my opinion, good for the sport. You know, I know a lot of people want to see their blue bloods in the national championship game, but I don't care who, you know, you are gonna always get one or two that's going to be in there. In my opinion, UConn is somewhat of a blue blood in basketball. I really do believe that. But are they top four? No, but they're somewhat of a blue blood. They have good. They have a. I mean, look, they won five or well, five in the past. How many years? Or four in the 25. past? Five. Yeah. So you know, that's pretty blue blood status to me recently. Uh, so I'm for FAU, San Diego State. I'm for that. I think that's good for the sport because I always think of it like this: you got a kid out there somewhere who playing basketball, who, you know, they may go to a Providence, and Providence may make a run to the Elite Eight one year. That's pretty dope for a kid who, you know, Absolutely. probably thought, I'll, I'll never go to Elite Eight. And he get a chance to go to the Elite Eight. That's to my in my opinion, that's what we that's what sports is about. Um, mm-hmm. you know, everybody liked the underdog, right? So, you know, I, I enjoyed that part of it. You know, I really do. I think it's is now as a coach in college sports, you have to be able to coach your butt off. You got to be able to recruit your butt off, you gotta be able to develop your butt off, you gotta have a good culture, right? Because you're not gonna win all the time based on talent. Now, football is a little bit different. You're going to get – you. they can expand that thing to 60 teams. You're going to get the same about seven, eight teams that's going to have a chance every single year. Sometimes not even seven or eight. Sometimes it's like four or 3 that got a realistic chance to win that championship. So – and that's because of the physical, you know, the, just a brute sport. You're actually putting hands on people every play, and the best players are going to win that. Um, and then basketball is a little bit different. It's a little bit more finesse. Uh, so – I'm for it, man. I, I, I enjoy it because I think uh I think it brings some excitement to the game. And there were what's those uh it's a it's a girls basketball player who played like that I think she played for North Carolina back in like the early 2000s. Um and I used to I used to enjoy you know watching you know college basketball in general, but I remember as a kid saying, man, like it's the same teams every like every year is the yeah. same, you know, one, <laughs> two, and three, especially in, in women's basketball. I'm like, you know, can we get somebody else in this thing? Uh, at one point, at one point, it was like, you know, UConn, Duke, North Carolina, yeah. whatever. Who else? And I'm like, shh. I mean, if you if you go to if you play for Wake Forest and you're a girls basketball player, you, you know you have zero shot to mm-hmm. to make the tournament and make a run. Right. Zero. So I think it's fun.
2: Yeah, and what's so funny, too, is everyone keeps going back, oh, last year was all the Blue Bloods. But if you look at how those Blue Bloods got there, like North Carolina was an eight seed that needed to get hot <laughs> to make the tournament. And who did they play in the Elite Eight? They played a 15. They played St. Peter's. Like Miami a ten. <laughs> uh, Miami was a 10 seed last year. They got to the Elite Eight, obviously, ended up. And Miami, uh, Houston was a five seed last year. They got to the Elite Eight. So it's not like last year, I mean – we obviously saw what happened to Kentucky, so there was still madness last year. Uh, a bunch of five twelves happened last year. New Mexico State uh, beat UConn, who obviously won it this year. <laughs> Saint, uh, you had uh, you had plenty of upsets last year. So just because this year had the wacky Final Four, it really wasn't crazy bit different to last year's tournament where a lot still happened. So I love it. I i absolutely love seeing four different teams. I know UConn's been there, they've won five, but at least the three others that we haven't seen yet. I think and I think it it, it also, you know, I get the transfer portal guys are gonna leave, but it, it just brings new hope to every single program that if they hit the portal the right way, uh the good things could happen. I mean, I know FAU's case, they didn't really have many portal guys. I think just one, but uh if you do the right or one or two, but if you do the right thing in the portal, you you have a shot every year now. Yeah. And I think
0: it, you know, I I coached out I coached high school football out in Texas for a short time. And I got a friend who's out there right now. And that's the thing that gets him going is the fact that they're not a traditional power in Texas, but they always have a shot in any given year to make a run. Yeah, you know, because it's so it's so many teams, it's so much parity. You know, you're gonna have your South Lake Carol's and West Lakes out of Austin, but there's so much parity that a team we don't see can make a run and go get it and, and have a chance to win. So um, I just think that's what sports is about. You got to bring it every every game. You know, a team with so called lesser talent or a so called underdog, you know, can uh, can can see you home. So I think that's I think that's exciting, person. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We got spring
1: practice, you I talked about at the beginning, AG is all over it. We watched all the interviews and the media sessions, but you were there for the open practice, and it was a hurricane-like windy that day. Windy. <laughs> yeah. but, it was windy. Yeah. Uh, windy. Yeah, but like Jalen said, you still saw some good things, though, in spite of the wind, right?
2: defensively <laughs> a <laughs> lot of good things defensively uh i, I don't want to get it's a, it's a spring practice at the end of the day it was a scrimmage uh but the defensive line man they are they're nasty up there I and mean, they are they're playing nine different guys rotating in with the first team and they're all making plays i mean Josiah a's uh, is a guy who, you know, was getting first and third team reps, and he's getting tackles for loss with the first team. We all know how good Deion Walker is. Keyshawn Silver looked really, really good. Uh, J.J. Weaver looks a little faster and stronger this year. Uh, Trayvon Ripka looks stronger and a little slimmer this year. So uh, it, it, <laughs> the defensive line was just absolutely annihilating, and they were making life really difficult. I mean, they kind of they put Rich, Ray Davis on a little bit of a pitch count, I think, they've just used him a lot to kind of get the run game going, uh, this, this spring. So they wanted to get some other guys, some reps, but you know, the only other guy, the only guy that was able to run the ball at all, uh, during that practice was deep Beckwith. And that's probably cause he's six, five and mm-hmm. uh, real hard to bring down uh, for the third team defense. So, uh, it was a defensive clinic for the most part. I mean, offensively, uh, uh, I would say the good were, you know, the, the first drive that the starters played uh, they had the chunk play to Dane key and they got down into the red zone inside the 10 in four plays and they just couldn't finish down there. Um, so that, you know, that's obviously frustrating not to finish a drive, but you got to give a lot of credit to the UK's defense there. They stopped the run on first down, stopped it again on second down and then third and fourth, you know, first and goal from the nine is not necessarily ideal situation to incomplete passes. It is what it is, but um, uh, there were a couple good things offensively. I thought Destin Wade did a really nice job at the end of practice. Granted, he was playing the defense that he was facing wasn't the best uh, that Kentucky has to offer, but he had a good drive. Um, but it was really hard to throw the ball. Uh, it was really hard to take anything away from the quarterbacks and the receivers. Um, but you had to be impressed with the defensive line, the linebackers, uh, the DBs who did break up some plays like Maxwell Harrison and Jordan Lovett. Uh, And on the offensive side, uh, Jagger Burton was really comfortable at center. I'd say that's a plus. Uh, No bad snaps, nothing like that. Same with the freshman Colby Keenum. He's been the other center during the spring. No issues there either with snaps, so that's a plus. Marquez Cox looks the part at left tackle. I mean, as good as JJ Weaver did, he didn't have any tackles for loss or anything like that. Uh, Cox was able to hold his own, but uh, definitely, you know, the other side of the offensive line and Kenneth Horsey was out. So that might've been part of it, but the other, uh, the right side of the offensive line wasn't great. Um, Right tackle is still an issue um, that they'll have to get addressed, but you know, you definitely, you got to love what you saw on the defensive side of the ball and I would have loved to see the run, uh, the offense on a, on a day with normal weather, but uh, I'm not going to get too concerned. Cause like I said, the first spring practice that we've got to go to the offense did look good. So uh, I'm going to trust that they've had some good days and that just wasn't one of them. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I was, I was wondering who you thought, you know, based on, you know, your I being out there, who, who, who's the right now, who's the second quarterback, like who, you yeah. really, you know, not just taking the snaps, but, you know, how do they look operating the system? How do they look, you know, you know, obviously it's tough to throw the ball with that type of wind, but right. it's just managing, the, you know, just managing the operation like how?
2: Yeah.
0: Who, who look comfortable, who look confident in it.
2: It looks like Kyle Sharon for sure. And that's part probably because he he's the only one who's actually counting Leary. He's the only quarterback on the team that's been in this offense. Yeah. You know, he was obviously here in 21. So he was very comfortable, you know, getting all the calls in, you know, getting the offense lined up. There were no procedural penalties with him in there where there was uh, Leary. There was one and there was one when Deuce Hogan was in there too. So, you know, I, I would say that. And, um, you know, obviously the reps, uh I'm not gonna go based on who got as many reps, but every time the number two offense was out there, the other quarterbacks were never in with the twos, which I found really interesting. And that was both practices. Uh, So I think Kai definitely is the best grasp of it. And uh, Liam Cohn kind of alluded alluded to that yesterday during uh, his interview. And we got to talk to both Kai and Destin. And so it seems like Kai is definitely a little bit ahead. I think Destin, like I said, he actually probably, outside of Leary, had the most success throwing the ball. Uh, You know, a couple of short passes here and there. Got one to Brandon White. That White made a few guys miss after the tackle. um, Or after the first tackle attempt. So... uh, it, it definitely um, I would say Kaya, I think Destin's doing some good things, but I think it's going to com- come down to those two guys. And I would think just because of Kaya's experience in the system, uh, he is a leg up going into the summer. Yeah.
0: And I, you know, and, and, and I kind of want people, to, fans and people who listen to this understand that in spring, um, you know, once day six and seven and on through hit, uh the defense kind of know your calls up front. Too. <laughs> so um yeah. and also when it's like hurricane tornado type winds, defense know that you're not gonna really hold the ball in the air too long as well, you know, throwing the ball <laughs> downfield. So that that's definitely part of it. Horsey being out is definitely part of it. Um, you know, and even uh Liam and uh O line coach is his name. Um uh Jenser, Liz- yeah. Liz- They said once they watched the film, you know, there were a couple errors on the quarterback when it comes to RPO or run pass options, Um, you know, whether it was calls or whether it was a post-snap read where they should have given it or should have thrown it, right? They had a couple of uh, mishaps in that RPO game. So, um, again, and I'm sure, you know, they got to address depth up front. They got to address maybe the right tackle position. Yeah. But I'm sure they're not really stressed about it because they know if I'm a defensive lineman, I've been hearing the same calls for seven practices, eight practices. I'm gonna be able to have a good beat on what you're doing. So uh, that's what makes it tough on off on the offense. But I also think it makes them better because when a team know that you're doing it, they know what you're about to do, and you can still execute it. That's pretty good. So uh, and it's good to hear that they got you know they can roll eight nine guys up front. That sounds like a team that's gonna oh. win games to me. Anytime yeah. I anytime I hear uh, a team can roll eight nine guys on the D line, that's that's a team that's that's a team that can win games. Because uh, oh, that's yeah. the, that's the most important position on defense is, is the front.
2: You got to be the stop. And they're versatile, too. I mean, they were kind of – Ripka played out, obviously, D.N. last year. and They had him playing inside and out, uh, which I found really interesting. Uh, I mean, yeah, you just rattle off names. You Obviously, you Keyshawn Silver, you bring him in. We all know how good Dion Walker is. Uh, Weaver playing outside linebacker D.N. a little bit, too. Uh, Octavius Opsendine, they feel really good about the offseason he has, putting on a little bit more weight um Khalil Sanders did some good things when he played last year he's out for the spring with the injury but he's a guy they trust Jamarius Dinkins they're really high on uh Hayes I mean they're they're loaded on the defensive line and uh they have another kid coming in this summer too in that freshman class so I think I feel really good about the defensive line and um, I think the three position if they're gonna and I think they will Stoops kind of admitted it as of now you know, they have two scallies open. You're going to have guys enter the portal. That's just how this works. So I think the three positions that they're going to add, and they definitely should if they're not going to, are going to be right tackle or offensive tackle in general, uh, cornerback. I like what I'm seeing from Maxwell Harrison. Uh, and Andrew Phillips is really kind of just now that Vito Tisdale has gone, he's going to be in the nickel. Uh, they have to play him there. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go out another outside corner to kind of compete with the guys they got, and then definitely inside linebacker. Not the <laughs> the depth is a problem, man, because they didn't have D Jack Derek Jackson at that practice. And they had to play Keaton Wade inside and they had to walk on Jace Bruner playing with the second team. Uh, so, you know, they got to add some bodies in there. I know they have two freshmen coming in, but that's a really tough position uh, to come in and play as a true freshman. So, um, you know, you feel really good about Trevin and Djack, But as we learned last year, man, and we all know how tough that position is, uh, injuries could happen. You got to have somebody feel comfortable with. So I'd say inside backer cornerback and offensive tackle are the uh, positions to watch uh, once that portal opens up May 1.
1: And that's, that's the point where everybody's trying to get to D-line-wise because they don't grow on trees. Right. You can't find good ones. You, you still talk about – you hear people talk about when, when Mississippi State came in here, when they were number one in the country, you know, with Dak Prescott and those mm. guys, they are rotating eight and nine D-linemen, and they were just able to come at you and wave. It's it's hard to get there. It's hard to build that depth, but to your point that they're finally kind of getting there from a D line standpoint, from a number standpoint, for guys that can go out and play and be serviceable to very good. And like Jalen, you said you can you can win games when you
0: oh, get up to that level. You know, every team I ever played that was that gave us problems from, from youth football on up. They had a good D line, um, yeah. you know every last one of them. So that's where it starts, offensive of line too. But the good thing about it, the thing that people, a lot of people don't really look at, is if I have a really good D line and I have guys that can rotate in and out, guess what? That's going to do to my offensive of line. That's practicing against them every day.
2: They yeah, have to get make better. Them better.
0: They have to get better because you're going to get embarrassed if you don't bring it to practice every day. So you have to push your boundaries, push your limit, get out of your comfort zone, and it's going to happen. So um that's you know that's a really good thing for on both sides of the ball to have a deep line with you know multiple guys that can come in and they can come in fresh and they can beat you in practice because now when I get into the game on whatever day they play Alabama or Georgia or Tennessee I've seen really good talent up front every single day so the speed the strength is not going to throw me off I'm not going to be playing over my head because I've seen it uh and that's really important so that's good. Um, I'm anxious to kind of see how this running back position shakes out. I know they got a good, a good player back there, but I'm anxious okay. to see, you know, does it really work out like we want it to work out? Because at the end of the day, you know, we all know that, you know, you can have – you got – players got to produce at the end of the day. They, telling what they did in the past is one thing, but they got to produce. So I'm anxious to see how that happens, how that goes. Uh, I know it's the offense that like to throw the ball to their back too, which I love. Yeah. Um, You know, and they got a guy who can do it. They got a couple guys back there who can do it. So we'll see how they uh, develop back there. And obviously, quarterback, um, you know, being first year in the offense, they got to catch on really fast. I was listening to Hugh Freeze the other day. He was saying it's so beneficial. We had a uh, if we had a spring game in college and I was even taking a step further. If we had joint scrimmage. Yeah. if we had joint practices in the fall in college football, mm. I think you'll see a better product out there on the field on game day, mm. um, yeah. especially early in the season. Now, once you get game five, six, seven, you start to see a good product. But, you know, game one, a lot of times the product isn't, as, isn't that good because everybody else in America and every other age group, every other sport, they get a chance to scrimmage, preseason scrimmage, spring scrimmage. College sports are the only – You're getting that in basketball now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even in basketball, you can you can go in offseason, go scrimmage, and go play other people or whatever. Go over like you know, Kentucky goes to the Bahamas or whatever they do. Like you can do that in basketball, right? But in football, you know, it's a sport that's you know they kind of kind of pigeonhole you to that first game, and now you got to go out with everything on the line. And you, nowadays with the four team playoff, sometimes you can't lose a game. So right. we, you know, so it's everything's on the line without really being tested. So. um You know, as a coach, you got to do what you can in practice to really put guys to the test. Uh, But man, it it would be beneficial to have a spring game. And I don't agree with Hugh Freeze when he said, you know, Alabama should play Troy and (laughs) play UAB. If I'm Troy, I'm not agreeing. Agreeing to do that. I'm not. Summerall said he would. Yeah, he he tripping. You know, you got guys. (laughs) You you he tripping hard, man. Yeah, you get two of your best guys hurt in the spring game, and they out for they out for you know eight months. Man, you, you just you just hurt your team. So yeah. I would definitely uh want to have a controlled environment, joint practice type, the way the NFL do it. Yes. Uh, I think that's more I think that's more beneficial than the actual spring game because you can put different scenarios, situations, you can control it, you can manipulate the practice how you want it to go. And you're playing against somebody else with a different defense, a different style, different speed. And I think it makes things a lot better. Uh but that's just that's just kind of my opinion. You know i thought it was always tough to go from camp practicing seeing the same stuff every day to boom now you got to play you know opponent x and they're you know it's just with all the marbles you know Mm. everything's on the line all of a sudden that's kind of tough uh but hey it is what it is i guess (laughs) a couple things
1: that you know even backtracking from probably should have mentioned the last show you know, you hear the interviews and the media sessions and these guys talking. Ray Davis said that this was like the best offensive line he's ever been around. <laughs> and we're all like, yo, we, we trying to get it back to where it was. And if this is already the best you've been around, wait, wait till we get it back to the way it was. Yeah.
2: I mean, I mean. He was at Vandy and Temple. Yeah, at, so. Vandy. <laughs> <laughs> he was at Vandy and Temple when neither. Yeah, but uh, no, the talent is there. It's a matter of getting it to its. I mean, Jagger Burton's extremely athletic. Uh, maybe he is a better center than guard. And Eli Cox was out of position last year. Kenneth Horsey was out of position last year. I mean, they got some dudes. It's just the, the right combinations and the communication. Uh, they've talked a lot Uh jeremy flax was talking about it on saturday that the communication has just been off sometimes and they think that's part of the reason they've had trouble you know run blocking in particular so you know if they can get on the same page and you know they have i'd say they have four four guys i trust pretty well up there and i like jeremy flax a lot but i i do think uh, he would benefit from you know bringing in another right tackle a guy who, who has a lot of snaps under his belt but uh, they have some dudes as a matter of putting them in the right places. And, yeah. you know, also the system last year, we learned, you know, wasn't very good. So maybe it'll be better this year, but look, you got to trust Liam Cohen saw the vision with Luke Fortner at center. Uh, you got to trust that uh, he's got a pretty good idea with uh, what he's doing there with Jagger.
1: Speaking of Liam Cohen, I thought it was interesting that he was Open and honest stuff enough to say that I have to work on winning guys' trust back yeah. because I left and came back. Mm. So, like, Jalen, put yourself in that position. Say you're a Kaya Sharon or a Dane Key, but from a quarterback perspective, hey, I'm here to play for this dude, and he leaves and I don't get to play for him, and now he's back. Did that stuff even kind of bother you, or were you just like, Look, coaches come and coaches go, or did you get attached to guys and you're like, man, this this sucks that, you know, this, you know, can you put yourself in this situation of having an OC come, one and done, gone, and then he's back? Just.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As a player, um, you got so much going on. It is what it is, and you move on. But again, I've never had that happen when I was a part of a winning squad and I, I must admit that that's it's different when you were part of a winning squad, we were two and 10, you know, my freshman year, you know, as embarrassing as to say that we were two and 10. So when coaches left, you know, we had in the back of our mind that after we lost to Vanderbilt, it's inevitable that that's going to happen. So we had so much going on. We couldn't, we, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't sit there and lick our wounds about it because, it was what it was. We had to move on, you know. Coaches move in college ball, and as a player, you don't have that mentality that coaches leave. But you know, when you're not good, you know what's going to happen. So when I'm on a winning squad, I've never had that happen. When I was a part of a winning team, which mm-hmm. is you know most of my life, but I know that that has a big effect. A big effect because you know you're Kaya Sharon or whoever you like, man, I can't wait. I just seen Will have the success in this offense. I can't wait till it's my turn. And then we get what happened last year happened. And then you get that guy come back. Now in the back, it's always in the back of your mind. Because people know, kids, you know, these players know that the NFL is a much better lifestyle than a college coach. Uh, NFL coaches, it's just you just give more time. You know, you don't have to recruit. So in the back of the recruits' mind and the back of the players' mind, they're thinking, will he leave again for the league? If he get a coordinator or a head coaching job, will he leave again? So that's always in the back of their mind. So, yes, you do have to earn their trust back. And at the end of the day, it's a player's game. Players play on the field. As as much as we have egos as coaches, we can guide them as best as we can. But at the end of the day, players play. Players win games, you know, but players and as a coach, players and coaches lose games. But players win games at the end of the day, if you know what I'm saying. So it, it that's just how it goes. So you do as a player have to – figure out a way to regain that trust if you were in that position. Because you saw what happened when you had success. Coaches leave, right? Now, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, okay, if we have success again, will he shoot back to the league and say, okay, I'm done with this college thing, recruiting thing. I get more time to my family. I got a newborn. All this stuff plays into, you know, into it, all this stuff is accounted for uh, when it comes to the people's thought process. So, yes, as a coach, you do have to earn the trust back. Yes, I think that was a really profound uh, yeah. statement for him to say as a coach. Yeah. As a player, I respect that he said that because that, that lets me know that if he's, a, he's a what they call a player's coach. It means something to him that, you know, a lot of these old school guys, a lot of these guys who are full of themselves, they wouldn't say that. And mm-hmm. they, if, they, if they said it, they wouldn't mean it. He seems like he genuinely care mm-hmm. and genuinely mean that. So yeah. I, was like, I was like really – that was really cool to hear it. Yeah. Uh, as a as a fellow coach, I was like, man, that's that's kind of dope, you know. So if his players heard that, that's that's really that's really impressive because that lets me know that you know he actually take into account what these guys are thinking, what they're going through as young mm-hmm. student athletes. So that yeah. that matters. Uh, I applaud him for that. You know, I can't wait to finally uh, finally meet him and learn something from him um, as a coach. But I think that's really good. So you know, just the fact that he said that lends me to believe that what goes on in in the meetings what goes on when they're just hanging out with Liam Cohen lends me to believe that they probably already regained that trust or is already on the way because he's a guy they actually like, they actually care for because he cares for them. Right. It's a two way street. So um, I think that's really good. I think that's really dope that he said that. And uh, you know, but to answer your question, yes, you know, that trust factor does matter uh, when it comes to, especially your backup who has more years to play. You know, I think that, I think that matters.
1: Yeah, just just definitely caught my ear, man. I was like, Man, mm-hmm. whoa. because I mean, you were standing right there, A G you saw me. Yeah. You know, straight straight beside him when he said it. So yeah. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh just I don't let like you said a couple weeks ago, both you know, he's just been forthcoming, you know, not having to beat stuff out of him. He's not giving you a bunch of one word answers. It's no. all his sessions are 10, 12, 15 minutes, and, you know, Tony Nita's like, okay, that's enough, y'all. You know, he's having to, like, <laughs> pull Liam away from the session. So, it's, you know, just,
0: you know, full information. And... Yeah. Uh, and I was saying to I, I also, you remember, he said also that, you know, we didn't get just outmatched on Saturday. We didn't get out physical. We, they didn't just beat us up. We had, we had a couple errors, and we were missing a guy, but they didn't just beat us up. So the fact that he said that if they did beat us up, he would be the first one to tell them, and, like, look, we got beat up. And he said that multiple times. So I was like, man, I I, I like the way he processed this stuff. I like the way he thinks of it because he's he's honest. He's honest with the media. I'm sure he's honest with the players, you know, just how transparent he is. You know, as a journalist, I'm sure, you know, I said this again, I'm sure you absolutely love that because, you know, he actually gives you things to – not just, you know, fluff. He gives you things to dive deep on when it comes to, uh, information. So, uh, you know, all in all, I think, I think that's dope.
2: Yeah. yeah. No doubt about it.
1: For Sure. For sure. So that cover everything, man. If we leave anything out. Yeah,
2: I think so. We'll get obviously a couple more of these spring pressers, one tomorrow, one on Wednesday. And, uh, so we'll get that wrapped up, which is crazy to think about, but, uh, you know, that portal is going to open very soon and it's going to get just as hectic in football as it is uh, basketball on the on the free agent market, as I like to call it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, man, another good episode, y'all. Uh, got the basketball stuff, got the football stuff, recap the Final Fours, more uh, sessions with the coaches coming up. Yep. Uh, still don't watch baseball, but my Braves did sweep the Cardinals today, so I was happy about that.
0: Yeah.
2: Yankees so, are off to a good start. I'm there. happy there I'll,
0: too. I'll go to a Braves game now. I just can't watch it on TV. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 physically go to a game. It's just it's hard to watch it on TV sometimes, man. Like if I catch a ninth inning with, uh-huh. with a close score, I'll I'll tune in.
2: But I, hey. I like
0: going to the game, so going to the games is fun to me. I'll tell be you good.
2: what. I never thought I, you know, I'm I'm such an old school baseball guy. This, if you're not like a huge baseball fan, like a TV guy, this pitch clock thing, all oh, these yeah, games, I, I, yeah. The yeah. games are taking two hours and a half, if not shorter. It is so good for the game. There's just so much more happening. You know, without the shift, there's more hits, there's more stolen bases. I mean, the game is the game is the game has gotten changed for the better now. Yeah, I was, I
0: was on the, I was on the phone with, with a friend, the one that lives in Texas, he went to a Rangers game. Yeah, he was there for two hours and twelve minutes. It's crazy. Yeah, it's he was like crazy. I was like, that's that's
2: that's what I'm talking. You can't about. even you can't get up and go get a beer now. You're gonna yeah, miss two innings. That's what I'm that's, and
1: I was <laughs> I fussed about it because, but I did watch the, some Braves games and it
2: didn't mm-hmm. really, it didn't negatively affect it like I thought. I thought it positively so, affected because I yeah. I'm with you, Benny. I was like cursing and mad and like this is gonna ruin the sport, but i've been very very pleasantly surprised and happy to be wrong on that now when i
1: like i gotta get down there to the to truest park i gotta get down there to the new Braves park i haven't been yet when haven't i either. go to the park you know i've always went but look if you don't have the time for a game to go in extra innings don't go right because that's a possibility so i'm when i go i don't i don't mind being there three four or five hours no long i break. don't either I always go try to watch batting practice, soak up as much as right. I can when I go. So from that standpoint, in person, I do. I you know, that's not as cool when you're not there. Oh man, ninth inning, game's over, time to you know. Yeah, I
2: agree so, with you there. You know,
1: but we'll
0: we'll see and, uh, and figure it out. But anything to make baseball faster on four.
2: <laughs> and, uh, I again, I, I was very pessimistic on it, but. And I'll probably, you know, I'm going to a bunch of games coming up here soon. So I'm actually it's funny you said the guy. I'm going to be in Dallas when the Yankees are there, so I'm going to go to a couple of those games. And the right, the Yankees are going to be up here and playing in Cincinnati in a few, uh, in a month. So I'm going to go to all three of those. But so yeah. I'll probably be a little salty, you know, when I'm out of there after two and a half hours. Yeah. But, yeah. but from a TV standpoint, it's a it's a huge W. Yeah,
1: because uh, when you, when you're there. Like when you're watching on TV, you're you're it's fine. You're home, but when you're right. there, when you're there live, you get hungrier, so you want to go get a hot dogs yes. two or three times. Yeah, I went to Fenway. I gotta get me a Fenway Frank, and then, and I got me a Fenway Frank in like the second inning. Well, the fifth inning, I'm in Boston. I'm going to go get me some uh, clam chowder. Got to get some clam chowder from the ball. You know, <laughs> you you going to sample the, the food from the region you're in, and you can't do that in a game that's two hours and eight minutes. So, from you know. That's true. From the selfish standpoint of when you're there. But it's it'll be fine. Until these rules hit in the bottom of the ninth of a playoff game and they call a strike and the ball on somebody and then, then we might get an old school manager tantrum like we used to get. We might get some Lou moments. Yeah, from. I mean, <laughs> this is true.
0: Yeah, I, 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 hey, oh, like I said, man, whatever you know, whatever
2: <laughs> moves the clock,
0: more, <laughs> more hits, more stolen bases, in a faster game. Shoot, I'm all in now. Why not? Hey, Jalen ain't, ain't coming all off not.
1: for that. Jalen ain't coming off for that
0: time. I'm all- <laughs> I'm all in because even even when I go to a game, even when I go to a football game, I don't
2: want to be there for four hours. Yeah, the football games are yeah. I, I just hey. don't. College baseball too, they're behind the eight ball because they don't have the pitch clock. So that Kentucky game last night where they won, I think it was thirteen to six. That was it was literally four hours on the dot. So they're still, you know, and they had the best crowd at KPP all year last year because the team's doing so damn well. So they got to get on it. But I'm telling you, yeah, I'll get like like Vinny said, as a as a diehard, I'll get a little salty when I'm at the actual game. But for for you, uh, Jalen, and just me too, as a diehard who watches. You know, almost every Yankee game all year long, uh, I'm loving this pitch clock. I mean, the game today ended started at one, ended at three thirty, and I was able to get a lot of done during it and after. So, uh, it, it, I love it. I love it.
1: There you go. There you go. More baseball thoughts like this throughout the summer, y'all. On believe mm-hmm. in Kentucky. And of course, more spring practice news and notes next week, and we'll we we'll be throwing in some NBA playoffs and stuff along the way as well. You know, Aaron's Knicks are in the playoffs. His the it's only crazy
2: doesn't happen often in my lifetime. Got the,
1: got the only one with any soaking. in. Off. Man. <laughs> You're the only one with a team with a dog in the fight come kind of the postseason in the NBA. So
2: it's well, weird to hear as a we'll Knicks live fan.
1: Through, we'll live through you when the playoffs come for the NBA.
2: <laughs> I don't know how that works, but all right, <laughs>
1: man. We enjoyed it, y'all. Y'all, hopefully you enjoyed listening, just like we enjoyed bringing it to you. Uh, subscribe, review, tell your friends. Join us again next week for another episode of Believe in Kentucky.